These tools are for you to use. These tools are for you to use. Hey, I'm Dave Marr. Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, the show where we shed some light on life by talking about death. My guest this week is Sky Kubakub. Sky is a unique, brilliant, fascinating fashion designer and performance artist, and many other things. One of the things that we reference in this episode is a YouTube video that Sky sent me before the interview about their rebirthing ceremony. And this rebirthing concept is something that comes up a lot in this conversation, and you will learn more about it if you go to that link in the show notes about the rebirthing ceremony. You can see the same video I saw. It'll give you a little more context. I think you've got all you need in the episode, but if you want to learn more about the process, the concept of rebirthing, check that out. Sky is someone I was put in touch with by Jasmine Henry Jordan, previous guest of the show, and Jasmine put me in touch with Sky because Sky has this rebirth date and that what's your coma question I ask Sky was basically built to answer that question. So I'm excited for you to hear the episode. Before you do, know that if you go to patreon.com slash Dave Marr, you can hear the full conversation. Pretty much every segment of this episode is expanded in that full episode on Patreon. Plus you get Sky's Kill One Thing segment at the end of the show. Speaking of Patreon, I want to thank my Pigeon Level supporters, Fred Fidawa, Susie Carroll, Kurt Chang, and Katie Llewellyn. If you like the show... Tell someone about it. Now, please enjoy my conversation with Sky Kubaku. I grab your whip and take it back to Shatown. When I'm in Shatown, I treat it like... What does the word radical mean to you? Because I know that... So you talk about radical visibility, and then in your rebirth video, at least the one that you sent me, you talked about being radically mentally ill. And there's something mm-hmm. intuitive that I understand about it, but I'm wondering if you can put into words what that means to you. I guess to me, radical means like unapologetically, very like out there. Um, I mean, I know it's not necessarily always safe to be like radically out there for uh, being both mentally ill or being radically visible. But in places where you do feel like you can you can have that uh, type of visibility or get to, you know, really be yourself and not uh, be focusing on like masking or like, you know, performatively trying to seem um, like not mentally ill or not neurodivergent, then uh, like having times where you can like fully express yourself and you don't have to worry about other people or like societal expectations or like, I don't know, Western beauty ideals things like that. What do you hope happens when you die? Um, well, I guess I hope that people continue my legacy uh, of, of the work that I've been doing. Uh, I, I don't really think too much about what my body, I mean, I guess I hope that I, decompose <laughs> in a muslin bag somewhere so that the worms can eat me. <laughs> okay. But I mean, probably I'll be cremated. I mean, that's the plan right now. 
with the technology. <laughs> but I but I think the cool eco way is the, the just throwing you in a muslin bag into the into mm-hmm. the dirt. <laughs> into the forest somewhere. Yeah. Some something like that. Even though I hate I hate nature. I don't hate nature. I'm just allergic to all of nature. So it oh, wouldn't wow. make sense. Interesting. <laughs> I mean it would be cool to be buried in my backyard, but I know that would be really creepy. <laughs> well, to who though? I mean, it says, who, I mean, if we're rejecting like yeah, yeah, societal yeah. labels, then yeah. yeah, be buried in your backyard and don't fucking tell anybody. Let them just <laughs> like be like, wow, this backyard has this really great energy and I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would be what I I love my house. I've lived in this building my whole life. I guess that's a thing if you're trying to figure out if St. Peter's trying to figure out who I am, I'll be like the person who never left Chicago like ever <laughs> in this specific building. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> is so when you say you don't think about it, is it does does death not freak you out too much? Um it simultaneously freaks me out and doesn't freak me out at the same time. Like, I I guess. Tell me about it not freaking you out. Tell me about being a person with panic disorder that is not panicked by, to me, as a person also with like, you know, a sprinkling of the panic. Uh, the, mo- the most panicked I get is about <laughs> I mean, I guess I used to, but now I'm more panicked about other people dying. So when I think about panicking about death, I'm more worried about the people around me who would be freaking out or um, or not know what to do or things like that. Um, I guess because I my, my family had a, a mass amount of death for three years, like before this last year. And we had like 14 family members die very rapidly. Oh, wow. So, um, so Just I, coincidentally? Yeah, yeah. Was it a generational thing where everyone was like mm, around the same no. age? No. Oh. No, it was like uh, my cousin's mo- mom, so my aunt, and then, um, and then like, yeah, both of my grandpas, like a month apart from each other, and then on the day of my... Filipino grandfather's death, my my little cousin overdosed. Um it, it was our it was our um our mutual grandfather and then like another person died on his funeral day and then like um yeah and then my grandma died a week before my dad died and and then my another one of my cousins died like a couple months after. Th- those were the main ones that were very the main hard. ones. Right. I mean, do you get numb to it? Um, no, I mean it still really affects me, but I I think at least for my father's death, I feel really good about the way that we handled like his ceremony, I guess. Um why? Because I I I just so my mom and I wanted to do more of a like a celebration of life rather than a funeral, mm-hmm. and um, no, okay, not biologically, okay. cool. <laughs> and just like my mom is like, I adopt all your friends. <laughs> oh, okay, so, okay. Cool. so I'm like, 
like I have a lot of friends that are like like my siblings, but yeah, nobody who is attached attached. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, but yeah, I guess. Well, the, all the Catholic funerals feel felt really weird to me. Like my Filipino side is like heavily Catholic, so those those were all weird and creepy. And you know, seeing the bodies and like I I uh, I think I can't remember if it was for my grandfather. I I was one of the people who like carried the coffin. Oh wow! So that was really scary. <laughs> um. Yeah. On my on my white side, we just don't really do anything. Like um, my grandparents both just got like cremated, and um, and my mom and her sisters, the the sisters three, they did like their own, just like hang out together. Um, but they didn't want anybody else to really be involved. So, what was it for your dad that felt so good and so nice? So in contrast. My like my dad and my mom and I are all like really not religious. Like even though my my dad grew up like Jesuit, so it was like intense kind of Catholic. But like since he left home when he was like um when he was eighteen, sixteen, eighteen, um, like my yeah he he's been like very not religious. And then my mom you know, just grew up going to church, but I think it was just like mainly a babysitting kind of situation. It's like, go there so we can do work right. <laughs> while you guys are being babysat by the community or something. <laughs> um, so like, I feel like I'm one of the only people that I knew who grew up like fully not religious, like at all. Um, so yeah, we didn't want to do any sort of memorial or something that was tied into any religion and it, it seems like yeah I, for some reason most funerals are religious and i feel like it doesn't really make sense to me i mean i guess a lot of religion is like trying to cope with death and stuff but um yeah i got to i i asked joseph ravens from defibrillator the performance art gallery yeah. uh they uh, his gallery has been inside of the the Joby Art Center in Bridgeport um, for a while, and I asked him if we could hold uh, a celebration of life there. And I, my since my dad's main work and most like you know him work is all this like video poetry stuff, so I set up uh, with his old collaborator Sarah Weiss and her. And two of her assistants, we set up like a huge video show with like 10 projectors. And, like so one was like hanging from the ceiling, like, like, like looking down and like the, just this amazing show showing all of his work. And then, um, and then we had like a couple of his more physical art pieces. And then we also had some art that people did of him in the past and, we displayed all of that. Joseph Ravens actually said that it was the best video like exhibition he's ever seen and the best use of the space, which I was like, wow, you go to like every yeah. show. So that's yeah, really right, cool. Right, right. Um, also because we all like everything was installed and then taken down within a day. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like really wild. Like me and Sarah Weiss didn't sleep for a couple of days because oh, we were like God. trying to figure it all out. Um, and then we had like, delicious Filipino food from Isla Pilipina. Um, Cause also like, I feel like 
most of the funeral type things I've been to have had like terrible food. And you're just like, what is this? Or like with both my Filipino grandparents, it's just like they were buried at Rose Hill, the giant cemetery here Mm -hmm. in Chicago. And uh, they just, the, after the burial, it was just like going to the weird restaurant that's right next to there that gets all of the, the business of the people who yeah. are having funerals. Weird and business models. Yeah. It's very strange. Um, but like the food was like nothing we would have ever eaten. It was like, no, we would be eating Filipino food. So why right. are we like why are we celebrating these people by eating food that they would absolutely never eat that is like gross? Yeah. <laughs> So this is actually a good transition into the next question that I have, which is about funeral planning. Mm-hmm. Have you? I mean, you must have thoughts about how you would want yours to go, having been through the fucking gauntlet with all these and and planning your dad's. How yeah. would what what would you want? I want to be fully prepared and have it all ready for everybody, so that they don't have to. <laughs> think about it when they're like in mourning i mean luckily with my dad's we decided to do it like a month after he passed or a little bit after a little bit less than a month after he passed away so we had time to throw it together but like you know most funerals because they're like dependent on like a body getting into the ground it's like you have no time to plan and it's terrible feeling because you're just like trying to call all these people and like get everything set up but you're like, I just want to sleep and cry. <laughs> like yeah. this sucks. Yeah. Um, and my my dad was like terrible at planning, whereas my mom is extremely good at planning. Um, but that's because he was like in super denial that he would ever die. Uh, and and it was pretty sudden. Like he had cancer, or well, we knew he had cancer for two and a half months, and then he died. Wow. Um, whereas like, I I mean, with my grandparents, it's like they're old and not doing well. Like we know it's coming Mm -hmm. or something, but for him it was like very sudden, but not so sudden like a car crash or something. Right. Um, so yeah. And I've been, I, I always hate when I go to funerals and all the pictures look shitty. Like, like they're all like, they just took like a screen cap from Facebook. (laughs) I'm like, Oh, like all these are like a washed out color palette to it. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to have everything totally ready. Like I was thinking, well, I have a really, you know, organized hard drive of all of my work, but I was thinking that maybe every couple of years I would go through and pick out my favorite um, pictures from all those years and like heavily label them and then make a folder that's like, these are the photos I want to show when I die or something. Yeah. Um, I guess... I mean, I would want something way more along the lines of my dad's, but I would want it to be a lot bigger. Like, I mean, his, his, we, he wanted everything to be secret. Like he, he didn't tell, like he didn't want me to know that he was dying, even though I lived upstairs from him. He only wanted my mom to know and nobody else. And my mom was like, hell no. What are you talking about? Right, right. He was kind of terrible. Me and my mom don't like him. <laughs> and we're, and we're, we've made peace that we don't like my dad. Okay. <laughs> he was not good. But, um, like, yeah, he was just, like, in denial. 
<laughs> um, but so, uh, yeah, so nobody knew. So like still sometimes people will be like, hey, how is your dad? I'm like, oh, he died two years ago. <laughs> Whoa. Okay, <laughs> so you want yours to be bigger. Oh, yeah, much bigger. I mean, this one was pretty big and it was good because like the Joe B. Art Center is accessible. So it's like, mm-hmm. like, yeah, folks who use wheelchairs could come and like so that was really cool um so i want it i mean i'd want it in chicago i want it in a very accessible space um i mean and i want i would want it to be like packed uh i mean if that was a possible thing because i don't know maybe in the future we can never have packed places again Uh, right yeah so (laughs) yeah is it is it when you talk about the work you've talked about photos is that the way you want people to look back on your work? I guess I would want photos and video and I would want, I mean, it would be cool if like, maybe I would just have like a rack of all of the clothing that I had left mm-hmm. at the studio and then everybody could just like change into it as they got in there Yeah, and then wearing that and then just have a big dance party. I um, mean, reimagining funeral wear feels like a really untapped market. Yeah. Actually, after my dad passed away and I was like really happy with the the memorial and like even like my super religious Filipino relatives who were left were like, that was really beautiful. And like, which I thought that they were all going to be really upset <laughs> at us yeah. for not doing a Catholic funeral. We were like, Ugh. also because my dad was firstborn son. So like, oh, that's wow. like a huge thing in the Philippines. And it's like, must do everything like basically firstborn son kuya and he was firstborn son in the whole generation so he's like god of his generation wow so uh we were really worried that everyone would be mad at us but but they all thought it was so beautiful so i was like to get my super catholic jesuit relatives to be like that was beautiful i was like wow and there was even videos with like nakedness (laughs) i mean you know it's like it's art. So yeah. And the eighties had lots of naked. So sure. Totally. (laughs) And you were thinking about, but that made you think something about the clothing at funerals. Well, it made me think about funeral planning and like, and like, well, thinking about how it's such like a weird industry and Mm -hmm. sometimes it feels pretty parasitic. You know, they're just trying to like upsell you on like a coffin. Like I think my my Filipino grandmother's coffin, I think, was $16,000. And I'm like, you see it for, like, one second, and then it's, like, all of this, like, intense work just, like, going in the ground, and then it's, like, not decomposing very well because it's, like, lacquered up. Right, 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 like, right. Ugh. Um, so that's, like, really creepy to me, just, like, in the, I don't know, work in the ecological sense, too. <laughs> like, but... I was think I I keep on starting writing a zine on like how to plan your own like you know celebration of life or like how to how to plan a celebration of life or like some sort of memorial or funeral that isn't based around religion because I feel like I didn't have any ex- examples of that um like when I was trying to like look up stuff like to see if there was anybody else who really did that like I know people have like memorials and stuff but like not like a really something that seemed like like huge and and very you know thought out and, and well and people always talk about it and talking to people for this show 
people constantly mention not wanting it to be just some typical morbid, sad affair. But you're right. Not a lot of people have specific ideas for how to avoid that. So how that ends up is despite our plans, probably a lot of people are going to fall back to the default of like, well, Well, exactly. Yeah. And I hate that. I'm like, ugh. Like my mom is like, I want you to throw a giant contra dance, like because we we do a lot of contra dance. Well, we did, okay. um, which is a American uh, barn dancing thing, kind of like square dance, but in lines. Uh, okay, it's, it's a community dance, so you're dancing with everybody, not just your a person that you come with. Yeah. Um, and so she wants me to throw a huge one, and if the band Mean Lids is still around, then she wants me to hire them <laughs> and have like delicious food. Um, and I'll probably show videos of her dancing and, and her her other work, her dolls, her her ornaments. And like how that. do you do? I mean, like, so you're talking about not having examples of these things. Mm-hmm. I, I, it seems like a lot of your work is almost re because you're reimagining life and the world yeah, and social yeah. interactions and identity. Where do you look for your own? touchstones to be like, how can I get some examples of (laughs) this type of clothing or this type of celebration of life? Or do you feel like you're just creating these things from whole cloth? Um, I guess I partly think that I'm creating them from whole cloth, but like, like maybe it's, maybe I'm coming up with the, I don't know. Cause it's like, well, of course I'm affected by everything that I see you know, and, and my family and, and friends and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, the North side college prep art mm-hmm, teachers, mm-hmm. but like, sorry, I need to resettle. Um, like for my clothing, I, I really wanted, well, okay. So for chain mail, I wanted clothing made out of chain mail. That wasn't just like a suit of armor and wasn't just like, um, you know, like a chainmail bikini, even though, you know, I have nothing against chainmail bikinis, but like, mm-hmm. like if you make a chainmail bikini, make it more interesting than just like using the normal mesh weave, like European foreign one. That's boring. Um, I think about, I, I guess maybe a thing that helps me a lot. Well, in high school, thinking about like Buckminster Fuller and how he was making all these amazing, like utopian wild things that were not really based in the aesthetics of the time that he lived in. Like, you know, when he made his car, the the Dymaxion car, which is like a three-wheeled, weird little, like, bubble, like, the other car that was around was a Model T. So it's like, it looks like a freaking spaceship. Right. like, amazing. But, like, he didn't have, you know, examples around him that were like that. He was just like, this is what I think that the world should be. So I think about that and his Dymaxion houses, his his geodesic domes, um, like basically everything he did seems like it was, you know, a completely different aesthetic and different ideals. And also thinking a lot about, um, you know, sustainability way before people were giving a shit about that. <laughs> right. And it feels like with thinking, at least the way you've described designing these celebrations of life the way in which you're using previous examples 
they're just not funeral examples. It's yeah, this yeah. Is what a video art installation looks like. Exactly. So this is going to be that, or this is what a contra dance is. So it's yeah. going to be that. Yeah. Yeah. I think just opening up anything, like anything, any stimuli, anything you do in the world, just being like, well, I could do this for, for an, like use this as a different thing than just what it is. Um, typically seen as (laughs) the big question now and it's kind of the thing that jasmine jordan kind of connected us over and well and i don't want to assume your answer but i feel like i might know your answer (laughs) the question is what's your coma because for me i was in this coma like six and a half years ago for a month, mm-hmm. almost got taken off life support. Oh my and gosh. then a lot of things changed after that. Mm-hmm. And so my question for you is what there, I think everyone has multiple answers to this question, but what mm-hmm. is one moment for you where before you were one thing and after you were either something totally different or something had been stripped away, or something was, uh, I mean, I'll say reborn. Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. What it, it, is, is it the rebirth for you that is this? I, I mean, the rebirth is the most big change. Like, I mean, I think it had been leading up to it because, um, well, tr- trigger warning, uh, attempted suicide and suicidal thoughts and stuff. Uh, when I was 19, um, I, I was admitted to a psych hospital because I had, um, taken a bunch of pills. And so, cause I was like super depressed and, um, some bad things had happened and I, yeah, I didn't want to be a person anymore. Um, but then there was like a, you know, time afterwards that it was just like, uh, like, Everything was terrible still. But then finally, when I was 21, I was like, okay, I want to be a new person. And I, me and my partner that I had been dating for three and a half years had broken up. Um, I felt like really terrible. I was like very feeling a lot of shame in my, in myself, uh, for bad things that had happened. And, uh, but then I met these, amazing people through my friend Heatherland's uh, space rock opera called Templehead. And I was like, just like thrown in right before they, the show, like two weeks before I was doing some extra like costuming stuff and, and I had like a cameo. And then I was like uh, meeting all these like awesome, strong, like ladies and queer folks, like, felt really good and seeing Heather Lynn be a person who was neurodivergent, but also got a lot of stuff done, but also was very respected. I was like, this is what I want to be. Like, I I want that. I want to be a person who's radically mentally ill, but also like feels like feels good about it and doesn't have it just like, just feel terrible. Um, so two days after Templehead, closed i was like i was like okay i'll give one day (laughs) people can rest and then the next day let's do this rebirthing ceremony so on may 21st 2013 i had this 
goofy performance art uh, rebirthing ceremony that everybody came and buried me in my chain mail. And then, and then I was like birthed out uh, kind of like the Lee Bowery birthing, like wig stock performance of like birthing out their art partner, Nicola. <laughs> and and what gave you, was it this Lee Bowery performance that gave you the idea for the rebirthing ceremony or wh- where did that come from? Actually, I don't totally know where, I mean. Cause like, I get- where, how do you go from, I want to be a different person. I see Heather Lynn. I'm going to have this ceremony. I feel like there's a couple steps. There. I know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I'm like trying to think. <laughs> hey, yeah. And if you're like, I don't know. That's the way my brain works. That's also interesting. But were are there s- conscious steps that went in between? I think, I think it might just be how my brain works. Like I was like, okay, I want to be new person. In order to do that, gotta do a rebirthing ceremony. I don't want it to be religious though, and I don't want it to be creepy <laughs> Christian rebirthing whatever right. nonsense. Uh, which every once in a while somebody will say that. And I'm like, man, you have a very oh, right. white like a born like, again uh, thing. Yeah, but I'm like, I'm Filipino. Also, the idea of rebirth is like everywhere. Like, this right, is not right, right. a Christian Catholic only thing. Like, uh, it gets it makes me so angry how like white centric. <laughs> you know, I mean, of course, that everything yeah. is <laughs> right. Well, yeah, and even like, I mean, because I grew up not Catholic, but like evangelical. And and Whoa. the newness <laughs> of evangelical Christianity, even disavowing Catholicism. It's like this thing's been around for maybe 50 years and yeah. it thinks it is the whole world and has has a a monopoly on yeah, every concept that is ultimately like mythical and part of every yeah. yeah. Every so, culture. Okay, so you have this ceremony and what so here's my big question. Because the my, my experience and the thing that I'm still grappling with, with mental illness, right? Mm-hmm. I've been to treatment. I went to treatment after the coma, right? Yeah. So I like go go to this coma. I get I get sober. You just from go to the coma. Yeah, <laughs> walk, right. <laughs> walk into the coma. <laughs> right. it, it's really weird. Like the verb, like go into, is weird. Fall yeah. into is weird. Uh, <laughs> th- there's there's no good like. Yeah, we should I, just I was it. around, I then I comad, you know. <laughs> yes. I comad. <laughs> right. And so then I get sober progressively from di- you know, it's booze, it's drugs, it's mm-hmm. food stuff. And, and and it's like stripping these things away. And then underneath all of it, it's like, oh, here is uh, you know, some suicidal ideation. And we're like in mm-hmm. treatment. And it's like this feeling of injustice of like I've been through so much. Why does my brain still not want to be around on some level? It's yeah. like, it's really, it's like, it's hard. And so, so, and my experience with epiphanies is that they don't last, right? So even these moments of like, I don't remember all the sense of clarity I had when I woke up in the hospital, you know, six (laughs) and a half years ago. So how has this rebirthing ceremony like stuck around for you? Like, are are you, I, cause however we paint mental illness, it still sucks. Right. Like, (laughs) like it wouldn't, it wouldn't 
require reframing if it if a part of it wasn't inevitably yeah. dark, you know <laughs> so how do you how do you still reckon with that sucking having done this rebirthing ceremony i mean i guess i've had to you know kind of like when i first did the rebirthing ceremony it was like yes this is this is it like i've done it i'm feeling so much better this is like that's the end of that <laughs> but then i mean of course that wasn't it i i did feel really good for uh, for many months and I didn't have a panic attack or cry for for like six months whereas I was having panic attacks and crying like every day or like a couple times a day and like I when I get started with crying I can cry for like 24 hours straight like extremely loud and like screeching <laughs> like so wow. like like crying myself hoarse and stuff like that now I don't do that I mean I definitely think a lot of things changed when I turned 25 and my brain all smushed together, you know, okay. that, that thing. Yeah. Um, How old are you I'm now? I'm 29. Okay. But everyone thinks I'm 16, just yeah. from what I look like. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I haven't aged since I was 15, probably. Uh-huh. <laughs> and But so, okay, so how do you, but like when you first had a reoccurrence of any sort of mental illness stuff. What were your thoughts? Were you like, oh my God, this didn't work? Were you like, oh, it's okay. I've given myself tools now to think about this differently. Uh, well, it was hard. Cause like, yeah, always feeling like sliding back or like not, you know, even though, you know, this stuff isn't linear at all. It's like always, right. and it's always a work in progress, but like, yeah, sometimes feeling like a failure. I mean, it didn't, I think the thing that was, hard was that right like after I had the rebirthing ceremony and I like was feeling good then and like I was feeling good for a while then I got into like the most abusive relationship that I've (laughs) ever been in so and partly it was uh I think partly the partner that I had preyed on my a super big belief in rebirth and rehabilitation Mm. to be like, like they were saying that they were different than what they were when they were younger. And uh, so that like, I've seen that just kind of being like full heartedly believing in rebirth and rehabilitation is also dangerous. Like, you know, I, I needed to then be like, okay, like not, everybody can just like change on a dime or like not, you know, everybody has to be constantly working to be a better person. And especially if you've done, you know, some pretty bad things and, and if you really do want to be accountable and, you know, be rehabilitated or like, you know, and like, and be, yeah, just be accountable to that. Then you really, really actively have to be working on it. And Uh, but it's easy to kind of for those kind of folks just kind of fake that they are doing that. So <laughs> sure. Sometimes. So what did change and what of the, when the things that didn't change, so it's like something changed, but then there were still struggles and how did you deal with the struggles 
after? Um, yeah, I mean, these are all like, it's very, so I guess I've, well, okay. After getting out of college, that felt like a rebirthing, like being like, okay, I'm finally out of this terrible, like having to always be in school thing and like having Mm -hmm. to deal with like the standardized, like, you know, obsessive time like of like nine to four like or like you know seven to three like um so like whenever i've been able to get more autonomy that's always helped change things in a positive way like i would i would say gaining any sort of autonomy is always like has always been really good for me and freeing and that's what this rebirthing ceremony did was give you autonomy yeah, I felt like it gave me autonomy and being like, okay, this is, I'm becoming a new person. I am deciding my new birthday. I am going, I, I celebrate it every year, even though, I mean, it, like the first couple of years I did like big things, but like, well, lately I haven't done big things because you know, I just had many deaths in my family and was like, okay, I just can't, right. can't deal with this. Um, but I do, I mean, I celebrate it probably more than my original birth birthday. Um, or sometimes I call it my first birth birthday, but then everybody always gets so confused. <laughs> or people think that my rebirthday is the day that my clothing line started, but my clothing line started like, or my rebirth thing ceremony happened a year before my clothing line started. And my clothing line was named after the idea of the rebirthing ceremony and the idea that, like, you know, all of fashion, all of society, like, really needs a rebirthing, like an overhaul <laughs> um, to, like, you know, really reframe things in a more healthy and positive and less, you know, ableist way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so it yeah. sounds like a general like self image change. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Then in the, so that's like big picture, right? But in the day to day, when you're like, I know that I'm this new person, I know that I think of myself differently, but today, is a, I'm fucking going through it. What, how, how did, how did, how did those struggles change from before the rebirthing? I mean, I guess sometimes they do. I mean, they're like different topics because it's like different things that have happened in my life since then. Like, I think before, like when I was younger, a lot of my things that I was anxious about was like, not having food security, not, you know, never having my father around him having like absolutely no interest in me as a human, <laughs> um, uh, you know, things like that. And then, and the week before I went into the psych ward was the first time that I was like sexually assaulted. So then, um, and like being shamed by my partner for it. Like, so that, I mean, yeah, all this is so heavy, <laughs> but then like, oh, uh, and then, yeah, then I had my rebirthing ceremony, but then I, you know, since then I've had much worse, like the, like that, that time was like nothing in comparison to right, right. what has, ha- what happened with the partner that I did at, like after I had my rebirthing cer- ceremony, who's like truly a horrifying human being wow. and like super manipulative, um, and is, yeah, a serial rapist here in chicago and has been since they were 21 and now they're like 
they're 12 years older than me. So Jesus. Ugh. Like, yeah. And just, so though, you know, those are things like, you know, thing, I feel like, okay. So I, okay. I figured out what I want to say. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I feel like my mental illness, I've been able to slowly level up what I can tolerate. Like, like, Everything has always felt like it's intolerable to, or like, but like the topics when I was younger were now comparatively a lot less bad than what they are now. But it's like, I've been able to, I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily good, but like, I feel like I've been, my brain has been able to be resilient enough to always um, be able to at least hang on a little bit <laughs> in order to like, you know, get it so that I still am alive. <laughs> um, I think, Oh, after the rebirthing ceremony, I think I've gotten a lot better at getting like figuring out who to go f- to for help and things like that. So like, I think it was right after my rebirthing ceremony that I started seeing my amazing therapist, therapist I see now, Erin Obradovich, who I is the best person in the world, <laughs> I think. Um, and I've seen, yeah, I've seen them since then. And like that, yeah, she's given me tools. I've done different things like uh, a dialectical behavioral therapy, which yes. maybe that is actually like, that's really good for reframing and, and learning how to cope. Yeah. What's your favorite DBT? Like, what's your go-to DBT tool? <laughs> um, I mean, if I'm having a panic attack, like holding ice. Yes, yes. I have yeah. these ice packs and I'll put it on my chest. And that is like, <laughs> did you ever do like frozen oranges? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing too. Because apparently like the citrus, if you're not allergic to citrus, like that. <laughs> So you put it in the freezer, so it's you've got mm. the cold and the hardness of the ice. But then the addition of the like citrus fruit scent. smell is like <laughs> another sensory thing to like, yeah, bring you present. So anyway, yeah, I just love it. Does feel like there are so few um, uh, actual skeleton keys in this stuff where you're like looking for like what's the solution, right? And it's like the answer is like. Oh, there's not the solution. It's a bunch of hard work yeah. and it's this and it's that. But DBT feels like the closest thing to like, well, actually a lot of these things like kind of are really do it. Yeah. And will like fix you like really quickly if you give yourself over to them. But yeah, I mean, it sounds like when you said being better at asking for help and knowing where to go to mm-hmm. ask for that help, I mean, that's. And that's, I don't know if it's everything, but that's like 90% of it. It makes so yeah. much sense that that would be the big change. Yeah. Like I, you know, I've had different like lists in my life being like, okay, these are people that I can call in the morning. These are people I can call mm. in the afternoon. These are evening people. These are like all night people. Um, I mean, now I mostly have my friend Lindsay Whittle, which actually there's a little picture here that I can show you later. Uh-huh. Um who lives in Cincinnati and I like, she is amazing at calming me down 
And but also because she lives in Cincinnati, it's like close enough to drive to, but also far enough to be like, okay, I'm away from Chicago. I'm not dealing with Chicago. So anytime I really freak out and I'm feeling terrible, I feel like I need to escape. I just drive there. Oh, okay. Um, I feel satisfied with your answer to this question, but I want to know if you feel satisfied with having answered the question like do <laughs> d- does it feel like you've fully explored the the question and like contextualize the rebirthing thing and how it's how it's affected your life i think yeah or i guess yeah like rebirthing i think it's also well the rebirthing and also my therapist aaron i think we have kind of so you know they always like point out to me like that i i don't like these boxes i don't like these labels i like whatever is the most you know open but like when i first started working with her i had such like black and white thinking for a lot of things like i'm doing this right i'm doing this very Mm -hmm. wrong um so like you know at the very beginning of our work we were always talking about like the gray areas and but and just taking non-binary thinking uh, away from just gender and just like to everything in life. Right. So, yeah, I think thinking about that has been a huge thing. And I think part of, I, I think the rebirthing also has to do with that. Cause after the rebirthing, I was like, okay, I do, yeah, I think I'm going to identify as non binary and I'm going to just be the things that I am. And, and, um, I mean, I've always talked about mental illness since I was a child because I, couldn't not since i was always having panic attacks in class so (laughs) i had to talk about it um but like yeah so i think non-binary thinking also like like when i first wrote my manifesto right after my rebirthing ceremony i was like fuck medication i never want to be in medication again because i was on it before i went into the hospital um and then they put me on like a medication that was like $25 $25 for four pills. And I was like, I, I have no money and I'm a teenager. <laughs> How can I? Right, right, this? Right. So then I just like went cold Turkey off my medicine, which was so bad. And my yeah. brain went wild. Like I had all the brain zaps and vertigo for like nine months. <laughs> um, and so I was like really scarred from medication and being like, no, but I am taking medication now. I like over the course of the last year, I've been working on figuring out, what the best combo is for me. And I've, I think I finally have kind of found it. And what, so what do you, what do you, I'm do? taking 10, whatever milligrams of, I always get confused about milligrams and micrograms and stuff like that. 10 milligrams of, of Lexapro and 150 of Wellbutrin. Wellbutrin. That's that shit, man. <laughs> Everybody's on the Wellbutrin, dude. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do 300 of Wellbutrin, yeah. and then I have a mood stabilizer. A, a Lamictal, Lamotrigine is the is the the um what is it the generic name for it? But yeah, I just think it's I I like talking about that because getting specific about things like that about like meds yeah. or even about like how much money people make or like oh the gosh. way they make yeah. money I think is so helpful to like yeah demystify shit and For sure. make it accessible so 
yeah, I think transparency is so important. Like I get so annoyed at like, you know, like trying to figure out what other fashion designers are doing. And I'm like, everything's a mystery. I have no clue. Like yeah. where do they get their money? What, right. like how did they fund it at the beginning? Like, are they, are they just like white cis men who are doing this like clothing that's like pretty badly fitting <laughs> or like, and like, <laughs> what, like what's going on? Um, so I always try to be as transparent as possible just because I'm like, I didn't have examples. So I would like to know <laughs> what's right and share. Um, well, it's, yeah, it's cool. It's cool to learn because, because as trans, it's funny because these transformative moments like this rebirthing ceremony, right? It's like you have this transformative moment. But that can lend itself toward black and white thinking still, because it's this mm-hmm. idea that before yeah, I was this, before thing, and after, after I was this, yeah. right? So even then, still having to dismantle non-binary thinking is really important. Or dismantle binary thinking. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, we need to reaffirm the binary. Make sure it's you got two choices. It's all black or white. Yeah. No. <laughs> that's the show thank you so much to sky thank you to you you can find out how to follow me how to follow sky how to order sky's garments at the links in the show notes go to patreon.com slash dave marr to find the full episode and other bonus content tell people you like about the show and i will talk to you next week impossible you can do miracles Miracles, you can do them. Have faith, you're human. <laughs>